With the news media reporting increasingly more data breaches and cybersecurity events, and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. We're here to help you prevent potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Hello and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the 97th episode of my show. Please subscribe to my show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or whatever your favorite podcast or news app is. And also, please subscribe to my show on the Voice America Business Channel website. And then you will be notified just as soon as each new show is available. Thank you to all my listeners throughout the world. I sincerely appreciate all of you who are in now at least 70 countries where you're located. And thank you for listening and sending all your messages. I sincerely hope that you are all doing well. My March Privacy Professor Tips message was published on February 28th. I've provided them since 2005 to increase general awareness of data and cybersecurity and privacy issues and to provide a free awareness publication for organizations to send to their employees. You can sign up for them by going to privacyguidance.com or privacysecuritybrainiacs.com and submitting your email in the box on your screen. And hey, we just released a new completely updated Privacy and Security Brainiacs class, HIPAA Basics for Business Associates 2022 edition, that all types of business associates will benefit from, as well as covered entities. Check it out at privacysecuritybrainiacs.com. We will also soon be announcing our new Master Experts online education classes. And my January guest to this show, Dr. Mish Kabay, he will be providing some really great and much-needed classes on secure coding, testing code thoroughly, software development, quality assurance, and many other valuable classes. And they're going to cover a really wide range of topics many not currently covered elsewhere. We will also be publishing our latest book, Cybersecurity for Grandparents and Everyone Else, the Q1 2022 edition, IoT Security and Privacy. That's going to be coming out very soon. We had a little bit of delay getting out for various reasons, but it will be coming soon and will be available from Amazon throughout the world. Go to Amazon, do a search for cybersecurity for grandparents, or search for Rebecca Harold, and you will see it listed along with many of my other books. So today, the topic for today, I'm 
revisiting a deep dive into cybersecurity risks in another area of the critical infrastructure. And the topic applies to everyone worldwide. Now, the most recent critical infrastructure show I did covered airline transportation security and privacy risks. And Cecil Panetta, who was the first CISO, Chief Information Security Officer for the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, was my guest for that show. And I'm continuing the look at transportation critical infrastructure today, focusing on highways and roads, surface transportation, over-the-road hauling and transit companies, and the truly unique security and privacy risks they have within their ecosystems. Now, over the past, well, going on three years now, I know a lot of you have probably heard a lot reported on TV and online about the delays and economic impacts and various issues within the trucking industry that have been going on. Now, we've recently seen truckers on strike and blocking roads along the Canada and U.S. border. We've seen a lack of personnel to drive, load, and haul all types of merchandise, causing supply chain problems and often shortages of products and services throughout all industries. We've also seen many reports about how delays with shipping have resulted in truckers waiting sometimes for days to even get their products loaded, causing a domino effect of problems through the full supply chain and delaying critical products again throughout all industries. But what I've not seen or heard is a truly thoughtful discussion and an examination of is cybersecurity within the surface transportation industry. Now, if people are worried currently because of shipping and trucking delays and worker shortages, then they really need to start thinking about and possibly being worried, you'll find out after today's discussion, I think, about many of the unseen threats that are lurking deep under the ground transportation uh, surface, cybersecurity vulnerabilities that could cause many more disruptions. Now, just consider the ways in which the trucking industry is now using a wide range of technologies. And think about how the roadway systems have implemented technologies to support safer and more informed travels. And more reports are being made about problems with driverless cars and driverless vehicles, such as, well, some of you might have heard of the phantom braking of Teslas. In fact, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the NHTSA for short, is currently looking into the sudden unexpected braking in Tesla vehicles, uh, the latest in many different safety probes that uh, Tesla has had, and, and other cars have had them too. But the agency received 354 complaints about this issue alone in nine months. And many of the incidents occurred while driving 
at highway speeds and in full self-driving cars. When I read about these incident reports, of course, I start wondering, what are all the digital connection points to these vehicles? And how many third parties have access to them? And what are the logical access interfaces to them and how are they secured? And of course, I have a lot of other questions beyond that. Most businesses in the over-the-road trucking industry are now using sensors and other Internet of Things devices to help them monitor and manage their supply chain operations and, and many other things. Truckers use a wide range of technologies while they're in their trucks and, and making their deliveries. They're using public Wi-Fi services, for example, during their travels along with all the other travelers. And it's even become quite common to see USB charging ports in rest areas and in the growing numbers of smart light poles that you're seeing by the interstates that also have Wi-Fi hotspots, public Wi-Fi hotspots, I might add, to allow for continuous internet access while driving. So when you think about this, think about all of those USB charging ports. Now, when I think about cybersecurity risk, I like to put on my, my malicious uh, person hat. <laughs> if I was a malicious person, terrorist, or anyone wanting to disrupt the trucking industry and roadways in general, it would be fairly simple to install malware within skimmers and then insert them into those USB charging ports. And they typically wouldn't even be seen by those using them. And of course, there are many more risks to consider as well. And today I have the perfect person to discuss the over-the-road trucking and service transportation, cybersecurity, and the really wide range of issues. And I think I know he has to be the world's most experienced expert in this topic because he's really worked with this issue for many, many years. I'm happy to welcome to my show today, David Elfering. David is an enterprise security leader who began his career in the U.S. Air Force as a spacecraft operations specialist. Now, the route to David's enterprise leadership roles in cybersecurity began through a failed meeting with a transportation CEO who wanted to know his organization's risk levels. Today, David manages security risk at a global insurance services and technology company. See more about David Elfering in the bio on my Voice America show site page about today's episode. Dave, thank you so much for being my guest today. Welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, that line in your bio is very intriguing. You said that the route to your enterprise leadership roles began through a failed meeting with a transportation uh, CEO. And what do you mean by failed meeting and how did that get your career path into the transportation industry? 
Well, well, I had been at the trucking company for a few years and, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my technical role started, you know, say, Hey, install a web server, install a DNS server. Let's install VPN. Let's do these things. And somewhere along the way you go, I got a lot of stuff and now I need to worry about security. And I was a security minded person. You know, I was working with SANS and doing all kinds of things, but I viewed it very, from a very technical standpoint. And so I went to meet with the CEO and I had all these cool printouts, dozens of pages, and there's all this red stuff on them. And I walked in and he, he looked at him and said, you know, I, his eyes kind of rolled back in his head, I think a little bit. And he asked me a simple question. And when I heard it, I thought, what kind of question is that? Mm-hmm. Um, he said, well, how much have I already lost? Because we're not, and this is for a vulnerability management system. He said, how much have I lost? Or what am I going to lose if we don't do this? Mm. And I thought, well, it's going to be huge. And he's like, well, what, what do you mean by huge? And I said, well, look at it. The, the, this report clearly shows you've got like, I don't know, make up a number here, 2,458 things in there red. And he's like, well, why are they red? I'm like, well, because red is bad. And then at that point, I started describing CVSS scores. And without knowing it, that meeting was already over. Um, uh. Yeah, he went, uh what is Great. that? Thank you. Yeah, he's like, thank you so much for this information. But uh, I'm, no, I don't think we're going to spend that money. Mm. And I was crushed. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was really crushed. I walked out thinking, what am I going to do? You know, now I know there's thousands of these things. And and, and I called a, a friend of mine who was a professor at uh, the local university. And I was kind of crying into my beer without the beer, but just crying. <laughs> and uh and he said, well, did you talk to the CEO about trucks? I'm like, trucks? Why would I talk about trucks? This is about vulnerabilities. And he said, well, what does your company do? I said, well, it's a trucking company. He's like, then you need to talk about trucks. He wants to move trucks, and you have to be able to tell that CEO how what you want to do is relevant to him moving trucks, freight, and getting paid. So that was my first business failure as a security leader. And from that, um, I decided here's a path I need. I need to know how to do this. I can't just go and install things and do things. I mean, I I need to do that, but I also need to talk to the business about risk. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very interesting because how did you even get to the trucking company to begin with? Because you started out, I guess, did you go there right after you got out of the um, Air Force? Um, no, no, I stayed in aerospace for, for a few years. Um, so I got out of the air force and got hired by general electric back when they did something besides making blenders and stuff. Um, and so I was at Goddard space flight center on a working for general electric. Um, I was part of an operations team for an atmospheric research satellite called URs, um, upper atmospheric research satellite, literally, this uh, spacecraft about the size of a school bus, um, pretty complex for its time. And, you know, I was going to school and I was always attracted to, you know, systems in terms of, hey, if I do this, the system does that. And if I type in something here where you're not supposed to, you know, where you're not supposed to be able to do something, I can do something. And I, you know, I, I became enamored and kind of really, I don't know, call it possessed with, you know, using systems in ways that couldn't predict because it was interesting to me. And at the same time I was going to school and I also had a lot of training in the air force about, you know, how assembly level code works and um, spacecraft, you know, or basically computers that operate in an extremely hostile environment and they're 
you know, the computer itself was simple. The system it operates in is complex. And so I understood complex systems, um, I think, in, in a way that maybe is a little unique. Um, and after I got, you know, I, I decided that having my livelihood depend on the risky environment that a spacecraft operated in, got a long, funny story about solar array slip rings. We'll save that for a different discussion. But um, I wound up becoming an IT integration consultant, which basically meant go and do anything for a client that you can charge them money for, for this company. Among those things was uh, I installed firewalls for a company. And since I was installing, since I was flying out as a security expert who had never installed a firewall, uh, flying out to New Jersey to install a firewall. And I said, well, I better get a book. And so I picked up a book, uh, the classic security book by Chapman and Zwicky called Firewalls. And it was like, yeah, it was like opening, you know, it's like the sky open. I thought, hey, this is a thing. This is really cool. I like this. And so, mm-hmm. you know, eventually, you know, this trucking company, uh, I, I was interviewing at a, an online stock brokerage company which i really wanted to be at i thought online stock brokerage that's where it's going to be at this is going to be the coolest thing ever Mm -hmm. and they were kind of you know that process was long and the trucking company came along and said hey you know you you know some html you know something about firewalls why don't you come out here and you know get some things done and so i took that job and i thought well i'll do this for a while and so i stumbled into an accidental two-decade career leading security cybersecurity for would emerge into one of the largest, you know, uh, trucking companies in the United States. Yes, and I'm always fascinated with um, what you what you built in that um, organization for listeners. I've known Dave for several years now, and I'm just always been amazed and impressed because when you think about a trucking company, I mean that is such a unique type of of system, an ecosystem. Um, when you first got there, I mean, what were some of the security risks that you saw when you just started there at the company? And then how did they evolve over the years when it went from, I guess, maybe risk changing as a result of different types of vehicles being used and different types of systems and mainframes and servers and all that? Oh, there was a there's a complete there's a complete multiple uh, I don't know rebuild over the course of time. But I'll just start you know, at the beginning. You know, I came in as the guy who wanted to run TCP/IP, and you know, some of the technology people were like, you know, yeah, <laughs> what's that? And yeah. Why are you Why are you talking to us about it? You know, IPX, SPX, that's where it's at. And I'm like, mm. no. I can't route that through the internet. And they're like, internet, what's the internet? And then, you know, that led to a whole bunch of other discussions. But in the end, you know, Ethernet, TCP IP won out over Token Ring and ISPX, SPX. And so, com- you know, this particular trucking company, you know, had invested early on in technology. So they had AS400s. Oh. Um, and we started building infrastructure around those. Those are the heart of the company. And you'll, this yeah. isn't atypical of a lot of companies. You got a mainframe, you got an AS400, you got something stuck in mm-hmm. the in the guts of the place. And it's the brain, it's the heart, it's the stomach, all in one. And um, so we started building around that. And the company, 
growth accelerated to the point where you know went from a six hundred million dollar company, and that's when six hundred million bought you something, um, you know, to about a two billion dollar company in the course of oh. about four or five years. Wow. So what you get an idea of is how did that growth occur? Well, there was a an, an extreme hunger for technology, and so we just you know there was not enough a big enough funnel to dump technology into the company just wholesale let's get let's get this let's get that and the IT department grew just leaps and bounds um, but always you know there was this plumbing run around you know uh, surrounding the this as 400 um, mm-hmm. good system right there's good fundamental system you mm-hmm. know everybody would go ooh as 400 haven't heard of that um, Google it um, and yeah. if you sift through some IBM red pages you'll find something interesting about it um, so we we built you know we layered technology on top of technology on top of technology. And so that was the security issues that I was aware of that I'm like, wow, we've, we've built this fragile crystalline infrastructure around this. And, you know, it was, it was the one thing about a trucking company that's different from most companies is it's 24 seven, 365, because there's always an asset moving and there's a human in that asset. Mm-hmm. And that means that if they're delayed, you're you're not only impacting revenue, there's people involved. And people make things more complicated too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so you have to be moving at all at all times. And so the order of the day was let's keep things running first and foremost. So you got fragile infrastructure, um critical processes and massive revenue growth. And that meant that there were technology layered on technology and there was risk layered on risk. And when you have fragility, fragility is quite often an indication that something's not right. You know, that if we go back to my example of unexpected outcomes from doing things to technology that the technology didn't anticipate to the resilience Mm -hmm. of it. And so that was, you know, resilience was the single biggest issue early on. And then the complexity and the rapid pace at which things were done also meant documentation. What's that? Um, yeah. So, so there's a there's an operational maturity level that is fairly low. Um, an extreme hunger, big, you know, relatively big budgets, mm-hmm. but uh, security being something that gets you're just. We learned how to do triage. I'll just say that. So. When you say when you're talking about all of this complexity, even back then, I mean, for our listeners, you didn't have um, you didn't have access. Your your trucks at that point in time didn't have access to the internet. You probably didn't have access to the internet, maybe or maybe limited access within the corporation. Um, how did you communicate with all the truckers out there? Because you talk about them yeah. people on wheels. So how do you keep in, in touch with them without computer connections back then? So here's a funny thing about, you know, I, I like to say that trucks were into IoT before it was cool. Um, so if you if you look up the history of, you know, IoT and trucking, it it really begins in earnest in the mid-90s. So, you know, we're going on to 30 years that large fleets were wired. Um, And so the fleets, they they were able to discern that, hey, if we can wire this up, and at the early stages, it was using satellite 
technology, oh, which okay. that's not optimum uh, because it's quite expensive and there's a lot of latency. You know, you're looking at about a 600 millisecond, you know, time gap for packets, um, and not all applications like latency. Um, and so they were wired very early on, but what it was wired to do was very simple. It was just a communication mechanism. You had the location of the truck, which seemed like, you know, you could get a map and show you every truck in your fleet. And early on, we're like, wow, that is so cool. Today, we're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's child's (laughs) play. Uh, But we could also communicate with the driver. And so. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right in the cab. Now, given we paid per per character with these devices. Yeah, Qualcomm, you know, before it made chips, it was into that business of wiring up trucks. Uh, Yeah, if you go to Qualcomm, you'll you'll see they have a strong and long and storied history is in contributing to IoT. So, wow, that's that's really amazing. I mean, when you say they paid for character and we're going to soon go to a break here, but quick question before we go, they they paid by character. They had to type this in. The drivers had to type in the communication with you. Yeah, not only that, they had to learn how to do it in shorthand because you paid per character. You know, we oh. what we call macros. You know, so there were codes. You know, um, almost like you know the early days of SMS texting. Yes. Right? You know, where you, oh, you would wow. type type things up in short messages. That sounds like a, a safety risk too. <laughs> so. Well. Yeah, it is. And there's, there's more to that story. But yeah, yeah. Sure. we'll pick up. Let's pick up on that after the break here. But but right now it is time for a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And I'm speaking today with David Elfering, an enterprise security leader and a trailblazing cybersecurity expert in the surface transportation industry. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the privacy professor. You can contact me with questions and comments about this show, just as well as provide suggestions for show topics using my email, RebeccaHerald at RebeccaHerald.com, and also through my PrivacyGuidance.com and PrivacySecurityBrainiacs.com websites. Please stay with us. We will be right back after these important messages from my sponsors. The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, research, report writing, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyguidance.com. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages she has published since 2007. Visit privacyguidance.com for help and answers to your questions. The Privacy Security Brainiacs team wants everyone responsible for security, privacy, and compliance to stay up to date with the latest news, risks, and security and privacy practices. Check out their growing library of topics not offered by others. Privacy Security Brainiacs also wants every business to perform automated risk assessments, which are free or value-priced for all types of security and privacy topics. You need to find out more about Privacy Security Brainiacs. Visit PrivacySecurityBrainiacs.com.
You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. That's Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Now, back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on the Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, and I'm speaking today with David Elfering, an enterprise security leader and also a trailblazing cybersecurity expert in the surface transportation industry. And before we went to break, it was just really interesting to hear, Dave, what you were talking about with how early... Uh, you know, that your uh, your fleet, the, the trucks were connected so that you could communicate with them. I, I had this vision before you said that, that they were all on CBs. You know, for those of you on listening who don't know what a CB is, that's another thing. Google that. There was a famous song in the what, 70s or 80s about it, too. But anyway, yeah. So they actually had satellite connections to their trucks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the and you were starting to talk about, I think, the Qualcomm system. Yeah, so you know, th- there were not many people capable of that kind of sophistication in, in communications, and so there were, you know, what today would be considered fairly primitive systems, kind of like you know, in the old days we had video games where it was Pong, and today we've got you know, virtual reality. And there's just a light year of difference between the two. And so we had this basic system, you know, which it amounted to almost what's Morse code, right? You would send fairly cryptic messages to the drivers and the drivers would respond back with fairly cryptic messages. But, you know, it would expand out into, you know, you go, oh, that's the code for this and that's the code for that. Mm -hmm. Now, funny thing happens, right? Systems get more complex and we're talking about complexity over time. And so the next generation of in-cab devices came out and the IT department's like, these things totally rock. We're going to turn these things on. They got all kinds of cool features. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's talk about what these things do. Can I see one? And they're like, well, all right, but you only got like two days and then we're just going to roll them out anyway. Um, what? <laughs> oh, that was so typical, wasn't it, uh, Dave, back in the earlier days? Because I had to deal with that, too, where I was at. But yeah, yeah we want to roll this out tomorrow or the next day. And, and yeah, yeah. you need to make sure that everything's secure in that amount of time. So, yeah. So we, we get a hold of this, you know, in-cab device. And I'm like, huh, it's running Windows. What could possibly oh. go wrong? Um, so we, you know, we get, we take it downstairs and we plug it into our bench. We're like, oh, this is, this is going to be cool. So, and, and, and they're like, well, by the way, you know, we've got, you know, everything turned on. And if you know, the old windows program, there was a pinball game and everybody yes. played pinball on the windows devices. And they're like, but don't worry, we got it all locked down. And so we got into the pinball game and inside of the pinball game was an about box. And in that about box did what it opened up a text editor, oh. which is, oh. Yeah, so guess what we did? We completely reprogrammed the box through the text editor, um, and we broke into it and essentially kind of rooted the whole device through the pinball machine game, uh, pinball game, and said, all right, you know, we can roll these out, but you've got to turn off the games, and you have to turn off this and this and this. And, we're, and you know, there was kind of almost like a, really? 
a revolt. Like, <laughs> we want our pinball. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and so you know, it, it, we did you know succeed in remediating that particular risk. But if you take that and you multiply it, now there's a whole yes. new generation, and and we can talk about that in terms of you know what what's emerging. You know, what are the? I think that might be your. Sorry, Rebecca, I'm giving away your next question. No, that's good, but I do want to revisit because a lot of our listeners are folks who are new to cybersecurity, and a lot of them are even, you know, students uh, in high school and college, and then just the general public. And I think when you were talking about how you were able, because of the the Windows, um, you know, pinball game that came in the system. When you talked about that, I I want to make sure that our listeners realize you were talking about using that game and finding a way to get into the system, right? To actually Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so the pinball game would come up on on this small in cap computer. It's a it's a computer with possibly the the worst screen, L C D screen you've ever seen, but you know, um but it worked, right? But yeah. within that interface, we went, if you go to the about, right? Every application's got a about or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. There was a, you know, it might even been the help thing or, you know, there was a dialog box. And if you click that dialog box, it would open up a Windows text editor. Yeah, That Windows text editor was running under what, what amounts to an admin privilege on this Windows computer. So we could administratively control this box in the cab, we could basically yes. repurpose it. We, we broke into it. We were able to get, you know, the Windows RDP service running, um, plugged a keyboard in, plugged a USB drive in. You know, we outlined all kinds of ways in which, you know, the device had vulnerabilities and risk because uh, everybody's like, well, yeah, but you put it in a truck. What's a trucker going to do? He's not, they're not going to know how to do that. I'm like, guess what? There's, there's people driving those trucks that have PhDs and they're doing this for some reason or another, right? Don't, don't underestimate, you know, people that are bored or, you know, the level of intelligence. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it, and, and this was a, yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say then just so listeners can understand the risk to your trucking business, if they wanted to get into that, that means that they probably could have what just disconnected so you couldn't even maybe follow them? What were the risks that uh, being able to get into the operating system? Well, I mean, see, so the, a funny thing happened is, you know, initially I was very shocked. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is mm-hmm. like huge, you know. And but if you think about thousands of these units out in the field, you know, what we discerned was, um, you know, the, the box did run TCP IP. It ran over a cellular network at this point and not to, you know, uh, satellite. Um, oh. So it had, an IP, it had an IP address and it was, you know, a cellular based system, which the majority of the systems today are. If you're talking mm-hmm. about the fleets, um, the cell system just overtook, you know, the infrastructure of the U.S. And it's, and it's, it's a good infrastructure by and large. Mm-hmm. But they had an IP address and... The box, you know, did have minimal, it's not like you could get to the uh, the vulnerable services from the cellular network. So there were some security policies configured. And so in the end, we went, yeah, you can break into the box. Even even with, you know, the, the guidelines we set up, you could still probably break into the box. But what were you going to achieve? You couldn't break into okay. the service provider. 
Mm-hmm. So the only thing you could really do is um, cost yourself money, right? If you broke the oh. locks, you're not going to be able to drive the truck, and but you're not going to oh. be able to break into, into the company. You're not going to break into the service provider. So the only person you're going to mess over is yourself. Okay. Well, then it, and let's kind of fast forward or, or go over then that time frame. Something I always think about when you, like you, you were even saying it, you keep adding complexity and adding systems. So as you move forward in time and add new technology, what happens to those other technologies that were there? Are those still then in the trucks so that they're kind of lying dormant or as new technologies are implemented around them? So could they possibly be back doors? Um, I think what what you'll find is so, you know, the manufacturers, so typical truck fleets don't get that old. And so, you know, the company Uh that I worked for, um, the the truck fleet, in essence, was replaced every two years. Oh, wow. Um, Now, that means somebody else is running that same truck. But at that Mm -hmm. point, it's not my not my problem anymore. Um, So so we'd replace that. And and the manufacturers, the OEMs. you know, would be upgrading. There, there, there have always been complex computing systems in those trucks. What we didn't have was the integration to directly interact with all of those systems. Even the manufacturers couldn't do that. And, mm-hmm. in, and in that regard, transportation was ahead of its time, but still far mm-hmm. behind something like aerospace, mm-hmm. you know, where Boeing, for example, you know, can get almost real time or, you know, very timely data from the from the aircraft fleet from the from the engines and other systems whereas uh you know uh, southwest airlines probably doesn't see that data so the truck fleets were were behind in that regard however now the new generation now you have a whole new layer and mm-hmm. it's smart technology and now we've got you know a lot of iot players who are putting additional you know IOT into trucks, and now we're dependent on how well do each of these providers um, create that system. Now, some are very security-minded, so I'm thinking of, um, I I don't want to call out a brand, but I'll I'll talk about my experience with one called Platform Science. Mm -hmm. Very security-minded, you know, they had great development capabilities, great SDLC, Um, they're, you know, past SOC 2 certification for their cloud-based infrastructure. But now you're seeing a whole different layer of complexity and integration. So you have APIs, you have data about the truck, about the driver, drivers are logging in. So now you have IAM processes for the drivers. And how do you do that for thousands of people, you know, and and make it work? Um, And without locking them out, again, go back to what's the, 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 the driving Force, no pun intended, for 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 fleets is got to keep them moving, got to keep them running 24-7, 365. Uh, so no tolerance for, oh, they're locked out. Well, you know, call the help desk and we'll, in an yeah. hour, we'll, you know, we'll get you running again. It's like, nope, that's not the way that works. Yeah. Um, so there are security-minded companies, but are we sure that the companies we're working with are, are secure and that they have secure processes? Um, or are we just shopping for price? And so you mm-hmm. see a lot of that. And so my concern, you know, in terms of the IOT, 
you know, mm-hmm. again, now the trailers are wired, the drivers are wired, the truck is wired, large amounts of technology and, and a, an entire, you know, there's, there's a, an epic change in the technology and the fleet and the capabilities and the management. Um, and so yes. telematics was a thing in, in, in trucking and transportation long before anybody thought about it, you know, for their Buick, for example. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you started out being connected, but connected through one point, And that was one that you were aware of. But now it sounds like you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but now you have these very, these smart trucks that have smart parts. Do those trucks often have different IoT uh, manufacturers or um, platforms also incorporated, or are they usually like one IoT platform that controls all the smart parts within within the truck? <laughs> one IoT to rule them all. Uh, sorry, yeah. Lord of the Rings joke. That's how that's how you know I'm a nerd, right? Um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings reference, but. Yeah. So each of the OEM providers, and you know there are four or five really large ones. Everybody knows everybody knows the name, you know the brand name Peterbilt, for example. But you know there's base manufacturers, and so um, Daimler, for example, and so they all have their own platform. You know they make the truck. They've got the they have the OEM system, the computers wow. that run the truck, just like you know General Motors has a system they use for their cars. Sometimes different ones for different vehicles, but. Right. Uh, nonetheless, you know, the manufacturer has their technology base. You know, just like I worked at a company that made satellites. Guess what? They made a satellite they knew how to talk to. And that's the case for the truck manufacturers. Now, in addition to that, there are, you know, IoT providers, like I mentioned, Platform Science, and there's others. Um, it's not, I'm not, not a paid endorsement, just somebody I'm familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. And they're building systems that then integrate with the trucks. And there are additional people that are creating technology that integrate with the trailers. If you think about a company that has 25,000 trailers, if you can't find uh, 5,000 of your trailers, that's a lot of money, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So everything's wired. Driver, the trailer, you know, the the gates that drivers go to, the yards, the freight. You want to talk about a wired ecosystem. I think transportation is it. so now it comes down to what's the quality of the systems yes. that and the everything from SDLC to you know how well is the software maintained? How do you get an update out to these systems? And so now we have over-the-air updates and things like that. If you think about uh, electric cars, for example, they're like <laughs> you can almost put in your credit card and order an over-the-air update to you know unlock level five acceleration in your car. So. Wow. Well, so what what concerns you, Dave? I mean, I know you probably know about so many different cybersecurity and privacy risks because you're talking about all these things that are tracking and everything else. But I mean, when you think about the security and or the privacy, what are the the areas where you think ah, these really just need to be addressed <laughs> right away? Well, I think you, you have to be concerned. So think about everybody goes, well, you know, trucking and transportation companies. And I worked at one of the largest ones. But if you took that company with its other three primary competitors, and you put them all together, they would comprise less than 25% of the overall trucks that are running over the road. 
And so most trucking companies are pretty small. You know, they're small companies. They might have 10 trucks, 100 trucks, 500 trucks, maybe Mm -hmm. even 1,000 trucks. So that's a fairly small organization. So they may not even necessarily have a dedicated IT team, much less a security Mm. team. And what are their practices? You know, I'll relate a quick story. um, Somebody that I know worked at a delivery service, you know, and so that's kind of like a logistics company. And uh, suddenly one day they noticed after several days that they hadn't gotten any deliveries assigned. The company had rolled out the same password to everybody in the company. (gasps) No. Yeah. (laughs) And so people were logging in as other people and setting them to unavailable so that they could get all of the deliveries. Oh, no. Not, I'm not going to name any names, but that one I was like, oh, my gosh. That's, yes. Yeah. Uh. And so, you know, companies will roll this out, you know, and, and to the person that made that decision, it probably didn't seem like a big deal. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, but so there's a lack of awareness. Yes. And, and so, you know, they, and maybe they were aware and just said, eh, you know. What's care. the likelihood or maybe what's the chances, yeah. probability that anybody does anything bad? So, you know, there's the there's the ecosystem that creates these complex systems. There's the integration, mm-hmm. the management. And so you have all of these things that have to be going on from the providers. You know, IAM, are they thinking about identity access management? Are they thinking about vulnerability management? Um, you know, what are their third parties? We just went through a whole... Um, thing with Log4j, for example. Yes. In your previous show, well, how many places, is there Log4j embedded in any of this stuff? I mean, I hope not because that would mean there's Java involved, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Um, Friends don't let friends do Java, I think. But um, (laughs) so let's talk about maybe shift gears just a little bit. So we're talking about complex (laughs) software systems, APIs, and integration. Now you mentioned privacy. Mm -hmm. So let's think about, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you and I did some some work together, so you're familiar a little bit with the challenges facing transportation companies. And yes. If you think about, you know, a company that has, let's say, 20,000 truck drivers, and a little known aspect of that is, and this has been true for as long as I've worked in transportation, um, there can be a minimum of 80% turnover, possibly 125% or even 150% <laughs> turnover of those drivers. Uh, wow. And so a company with 20,000 drivers is going to have to hire 20,000 drivers in the course of the next 12 months, hmm. uh, maybe more. And where are you going to get those drivers? It means you got to source really hard. There's a lot of competition for truck drivers. Uh, it's a tough job. You know, I don't envy them, you know, that, you know, the life of, you know, it's, it's a lonely job sometimes too. Um, and so, in order to recruit those 20,000 drivers, you're going to have to get applicants. You're not going to accept all of the applicants. Not all of them are qualified. You know, how, what percentage are qualified? Let's just say it's 25%. That means you're going to need to get, let's just say, 100,000 um, individual employment data for people, which may include drug tests, uh, mm-hmm. DOT tests, DOT, you know. A lot of sensitive PII data, including physicals, um, and so there's a large accumulation of PII data that's typical in the transportation industry. And, and if you go back to, by the way, we've got these 
disparate backend systems created over time. Uh, you know, talk about that AS400. Now the AS400, you know, people are like, well, it's highly secured operating system. It's like, yeah, it is. It's a good operating system, but how well do we use it? Are we making wise choices? You know, go back to that delivery company deciding to make everybody's password the same. Um, so the secure practices. And that's that's one of the things that bothers me is you know, thinking about privacy, you know, of you know, employment data, and that's not unique to transportation, but it's it's something I think that in transportation people aren't aware of that transportation mm-hmm. companies have these challenges internally with with that kind of data and um, what do you do with it? And in the U.S., you know, there is not an omnibus, you know, universal, you know, countrywide mm-hmm. privacy regulation, except if you go to HIPAA. But I don't know that HIPAA is really a privacy regulation. I mean, it sort of is. But, you know, um, you know, people make jokes. Well, you know, GDPR is horrible. It's like, you know, I, it is complex, um, but it does specify protections for individuals and what the minimum level of expectation they have about how their data is treated. Well, yeah, but, and definitely, of course, it's written by folks who mostly haven't had to implement what they wrote, but yet it's still (laughs) addressing those things, right? So sometimes there's a disconnect. But, you know, now in the U.S., we have the CCPA, the California they call it uh, the California GDPR oftentimes. But uh, so we're starting to get more of these state-specific ones. So, how? wow, that would be something that when you're dealing with, um, you know, what you're doing is trucking now, maybe because it's, you're not a retailer or maybe some trucking companies do have retail, I guess it really makes it complex, like you said, to determine what legally you're required to do versus then what the actual privacy risks are. Like you were saying, you know, if you have 100,000 applicants and you don't hire 75,000 of them each year, that's a lot of records that tend to build up over time. Yeah. And do you have data retention policies and are they enforced? Um, You know, and so let's talk about that little problem surrounding that data. We have quick, quickly break in. And I'm sorry because our time has gone way too fast. We're already, we only have four minutes left. So I guess if you wanted to have a point that you make in the like primary takeaway, but yeah, in the last maybe two, three minutes, what do you really want our, our listeners to know about the trucking and over the road cybersecurity and privacy issues? Well, I think, you know, not just, not just for trucking, but IOT is now embedded in all of your cars, right? If you've got a car that's made after some year, it's, it's a smart car. It may not drive itself or it might, um, but it's a smart car and it's talking to people. It probably is talking to people and it's gathering data about you and it knows a lot about you. What does it know about you and who is it communicating to? You know, my ask or my takeaway on that is, you know, be a smart consumer. Start asking those questions about, you know, what kind of information are they gathering? You know, maybe you put one of those, you know, data gathering devices from your insurance company in your car. Yeah. What are they doing? What are they doing with it? You know, mm-hmm. your car knows how fast you drive, accelerate, brake, turn, 
where you go, how long you go there. It knows what songs you're playing while you go there. Think mm-hmm. about that just a little bit and be a smarter consumer, I think, from you know the business side, the, the over the road. you know, This is a general thing, but I think it applies specifically to transportation and all businesses. Executives need to think about the long-term value, not just, you know, here's how we, you know, this quarter we're going to have to do this and cut this and EBITDA this and EBITDA that. Let's think longer term about the investment we're making because the way you manage risk, and we've seen this manifest in the last two years, the way you manifest, the way you manage risk can be a business advantage for you if you're able to manage risk well in terms of you know, your business continuity. Who knew that two years ago we would suddenly shut down offices and send everybody home, for example? Completely yes. unpredictable. Become smarter risk managers. Don't box security into it. It's just a technical thing. You know, it should be, I don't know, go go talk to the CIO or, you know, you know somebody like that. Uh, it, it's a business risk. So think about it in those terms. Yes. Well, I... So many great stories and points. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Dave. I really appreciate it. No, awesome to be here. Glad, glad to talk about it. Um, sorry we couldn't hit some of the some of the really cool stories, but uh, I'll, I'll have you good, back. Good to chat. <laughs> we'll come back again. So uh, today I've been speaking with David Elfering, an enterprise security leader and a trailblazing cybersecurity expert in the surface transportation industry. So please send feedback on the show. Would you like to hear more on this topic? Well, just let me know. And you can contact me using Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. If you can't make our scheduled debut show each month, of course you will always able be able to listen to the recordings and you can find them on all those, all those different um, apps that I mentioned earlier, iTunes, Spotify, and so on. And you can also visit my YouTube channel. I'm starting to convert my shows, some of my shows to videos as well, uh, with with photos, of course, instead of us uh, live talking. Until our next show, ask those that you do business with and who you work for. Uh, if they are doing all they can to secure the information you've entrusted to them. If you're an over-the-road trucker, you know, maybe you should make sure you take that security and privacy training so you can see more about the security of your own um, computer on wheels that you're driving around in every day. Be privacy aware in the month ahead. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week. Data security and privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next time, stay safe.